physics world. Like a lot of people, Jim Gates has a bucket list of things he'd like to see or do before he dies. But because he's a theoretical physicist, the things on Gates's list are, well, a little bit different. The first item is the Higgs boson. Uh, when I came into the field, the Higgs boson was a piece of mathematics. It had not been seen in the laboratory. And so it was obviously the number one thing that I wanted to see occur in theoretical physics before, as I like to say, I shuffle off those, this mortal coil. Physicists at CERN's Large Hadron Collider announced they'd found evidence for the Higgs boson in 2013. But the second item on Gates's bucket list may take a few more years. The second item on, on my bucket list is gravity waves. And that one is a little bit more problematical now. There was a stunning report of an observation called BICEP2, which is a telescope at the South Pole. It looks up at the cosmic microwave background. And they, the assertion was made that they had seen the imprint of the B gravity modes on the cosmic microwave background. Since then, some flies in the stew have appeared, so to speak. Um, but nonetheless, I would be terribly surprised if we do not see evidence of gravity waves within a decade. Gates is hopeful about gravity waves, but what really matters to him is the third thing on his list, the so-called superpartner particles that are predicted to exist by a theory known as supersymmetry. The third item on my theorist bucket list is the observation of superpartners. Personally, it would mean that I didn't waste my entire career because my entire career has been centered on the idea of supersymmetry. I'm Margaret Harris, Physics World's careers editor, and I spoke to Jim Gates about his bucket list, and in particular supersymmetry, in between lectures at the Cheltenham Science Festival. I wanted to know why Gates finds supersymmetry so fascinating and important, and why he's convinced that it must be true even though there's no experimental evidence for it yet. Let's start with the definition of supersymmetry. As far as we know, the particles that make up the universe we see come in two different types. There are matter particles, like electrons and protons and neutrons. And there are force-carrying particles, like photons. All of the matter particles have half-integer quantum spin, and physicists call these particles fermions. All of the force-carrying particles have integer quantum spin. Physicists call these particles bosons. Nobody really knows why nature would only allow force-carrying bosons and matter-carrying fermions. It's a bit of a mystery. What supersymmetry does is to get rid of this strange imbalance. It suggests that every matter fermion we know about actually has an undiscovered matter boson as its partner, and vice versa. As a young man studying physics at MIT, Jim Gates found this idea absolutely fascinating. So in 1975, I was a graduate student at MIT, trying to figure out how to build a successful career, and in particular, a thesis. And at that point, I decided that if I was going to be successful, I needed to find something that was fair. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, you know, there's a lot of research that's always going on, and as a young person who gets aboard the research train, if we can use that analogy, it's moving really quickly. And you have people who have 10, 15, 20 years of experience prior to you, and you're trying to compete against them to do research. I said, that's not a fair race. So I consciously uh, did a survey of all the major strands of research that were going on uh, in uh, theoretical particle physics. And in this survey, I came across this one subject that was two years old. It had the most fascinating piece of mathematics I have ever seen. It was supersymmetry. Uh, and it implied that there might be more forms of matter and energy than anyone had ever dreamed of. And I thought, how lucky can a graduate student get? So I immediately decided that's what I wanted to work on. 
But not everyone found supersymmetry so interesting. I asked Gates, who is now a professor at the University of Maryland, what it was like to work on such a hot topic right at the beginning. He quickly corrected me. Actually, there were not a lot of people getting excited about supersymmetry. Supersymmetry, in fact, it's very funny. Supersymmetry was sort of considered disreputable to be working in. Uh, there were these other more serious uh, physics subjects, such as quantum chromodynamics and instantons and a list of other strange words that I could go into. And those were considered what the really good young people were working on. So people like me were kind of shuffled aside. And in fact, even when I was a postdoc uh, at Harvard, one of the individuals a lot of us most admired for the depth of his understanding of quantum field theory was reputed to have said one day that he was super uninterested in supersymmetry. That was crushing for a young person, of course. In the 1980s, however, some of those skeptics started to change their minds. The trigger, Gates explains, was when particle physicists realized it might be possible to find experimental evidence for the new particles predicted in supersymmetry. Gates was elated by this possibility, and he visited one of the founders of the theory, Bruno Zumino, to share his excitement. Bruno had absolutely been one of my heroes. He was a father of the area that I had been diligently working in for about a, almost a decade. And I visited him, I was happy, I was like, Bruno, Bruno, you know, they're saying that this mathematical physics might be testable and discoverable in the laboratory. And I was so excited, and he basically counseled me to be cautious. He said, you know, it, it would be very nice if it were true. And I took that, I was amazed because when he says the word nice, it also meant if someone discovered that, he would likely win the Nobel Prize. And if he called that only nice, I took that as a strong caution. That caution has served Gates well over the past few years. In the run-up to the opening of the Large Hadron Collider, or LHC, many theorists, but not Gates, predicted that the collider would quickly uncover evidence for superparticles. When it didn't happen, some people got upset. You know, my community is disputatious just like the rest of humanity. We're always arguing with each other. And so in this run-up, there were people with other ideas saying, oh, my ideas are better than your ideas. We're going to see my ideas. Well, their ideas didn't show up either. But the point was that more people expected supersymmetry than anything else. So when it didn't appear, uh, there was a predictable backlash. And, ah, you know, you guys are wrong. It's not there. Nature's not supersymmetric. Like I said, it's a typical human reaction. I asked Gates if he thought that supersymmetric particles would appear after the LHC restarts in 2015, when it will collide particles at higher energies. It's possible, but it's not something that I would bet the farm on. Um, this natural caution that I have in supersymmetry, which I referred to earlier in my, sort of given to me by the people who created the field. I mean, you know, was, these are just superb physicists. And if they can be cautious, I think that uh, later generations should sort of heed them. People tend to forget the history of the Higgs boson itself. The Higgs boson started as a piece of mathematics in the mid-60s. We didn't discover it until 2013. That's almost 50 years. So when the LHC turns back on, will we see superpartners? Like I said, I'm not willing to bet the farm on it. If in several decades we don't see superpartners, I would start to get worried. What would happen if the evidence still doesn't emerge after 50 years? Some theorists I've met probably wouldn't care. Back when I was an undergraduate, I asked one of my lecturers, a string theorist, what he would do if he found out tomorrow that string theory wasn't real. He shrugged. I wouldn't care, he said. We got some good theorems out of it. I told this story to Gates and asked if he agreed. 
So you're, the questions you're asking me are now in the realm of, that I can answer only by relying on my intuition built up over 30 years of, of practice. And so my instincts are that supersymmetry will ultimately be observed in nature from everything I have ever learned about the way physics works. So, no, I'm not looking for good theorems. I'm actually looking for a principle in nature. But if, if you've got a, you know, I understand what you're saying about it, it making sense in light of all your experience, but if a theory can't be proven, isn't it almost more a bit of philosophy than, if than a science? Theory, as I once was quoted in, on a program called The Elegant Universe, I said, if, if you can't find evidence for it, then nobody should believe it. That, by definition, is science. Is that Science is not a faith-based belief system. It's a system based on observation. This comes to us from the very definition of science. I mean, science was, in some sense, born with Galileo in its rich modern tradition. And Galileo very directly warns us that ideas that come just from thought and deliberation cannot be regarded as science. And so I, I very deeply believe that. So for me, I'm simply patient because I know that the rate at which science progresses is something we humans have no control over. Gates is a pretty patient guy. But even so, the slow pace of progress means he doesn't hold out much hope for the fourth and final item on his theorist's bucket list. And then the final item, which I don't think I'm going to see on my bucket list, is evidence for superstring theory. I deeply believe we will find out that it is more right than wrong, but we are so far removed from, in my opinion, even having an adequate mathematical description of string theory that it's highly premature for people to claim that they're going to go out and discover. That was Jim Gates speaking about his theorist's bucket list. If you want to learn more about supersymmetry, Gates has actually written a great feature article for Physics World magazine explaining his scientific reasons for sticking with the theory. The feature appears in the October 2014 issue of Physics World, and if you're a member of the Institute of Physics, or IOP, you can read it in digital form now via myiop.org or using the Physics World app. If you're not a member of the IOP yet, why not join us? You'll find more details about membership on our website, physicsworld.com. Thanks for listening. Physics World